Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. So it's pretty awesome. As you saw, we're in the, I was going to say in the middle, we're actually wrapping up today our teaching series, If. It's the shortest title of a series we've ever had, but there's a lot of meaning in the if. And today we're going to wrap up with this little phrase, even if. Even if. Now you're thinking, even if what? Well, let me get us going and ask this question. How many like happy endings? Raise your hand. You love a happy ending, a novel, a movie, okay? Some people didn't raise your hand. Okay, we want you to know you need help, okay? Because we need care and connection people available after service to pray with you. Because most of us, not weirdos like you, most of us like a happy ending. And the reason for that is we want to feel good. And we've been pre-programmed that way. If you grew up like I did with the sitcoms and, you know, there was a, there was a, there was a problem, and then it got resolved in like 23 minutes plus seven minutes of commercial, right? And then, then reality TV hit. Oh, reality TV. Just so you know, it's all scripted, okay? It's, it's all edited down. It's all, you know, it really is interesting how we, we think alike. But we, we love that. But that's what makes movies great. That's what makes novels great. We love the fact that in, in a movie, and, and you know, it could be great acting. Listen, I, I know there's great actors and there's terrible writing. You're like, that's a horrible movie. What makes a movie awesome and make it epic is the, the, some kind of tragedy, some kind of crisis, something happened, and then tension, tension, tension builds, and you're going, I wonder how this thing's going to even end. And then it does, and there's resolve. And we go, wow. And the credits are rolling, the lights come up, and we're either cheering or crying. You're like, wasn't that such an amazing movie? It's entertaining when it's someone else's life, right? But when it's, in, when it's your own life, you're like, spare me the drama. I don't really care for that in my life. And yet, you think about your life, what makes your life great, what, where you are and what you've gone through has much to do with the twists and turns. I want to encourage us today Despite all that you're going through, and, and even if all that's happening in your life right now, I want to encourage you, if you're a Christ follower, there's a happy ending. There's going to be a happy ending. It's called heaven. But until then, we wait. Until then, we have to do something that's so important, and, and that is to have hope. In Romans chapter 8, we've been dabbling in Romans 8 throughout this series. But I want to give us a Romans 8 today. And Shane will be coming up here in a moment. I gave it away already. You'll be coming up here in a moment. Uh, It's supposed to be tension and building up to that. But we'll be be sharing a scripture as well. But the Bible says in Romans 8, 24, it says, But hope that is seen is not hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. (laughs) What is hope? Hope is what's ahead and what what we're wanting and desiring that's there, that when we have hope, I mean, you can think of anything you need in life is to have hope ahead. But until then, we wait. And the Bible says this, to wait patiently. I don't know about you, but I'm not always very good at that. I, I read recently that someone who said this, patience is a muscle. The longer you wait, the more flexible you are. Well, 
Call me Gumby, okay? Right? You as well. You've gone through stuff in your life and going, okay, I just need to be a little bit more flexible. You just need to be a little bit durable and, and a little bit more, you know, kind of get through this and it's okay. And the, the patience that we need to do that. The problem with patience is, is not only tough, it's downright torturous. Not only when we face problems, but let's just say this, when we are going through pain. And there is all kinds of levels of pain, but I think the hardest is truly physical pain. Because physical pain does a number on us. Physical pain that we have for a long period of time really, really can affect our lives. Not only our bodies, but our mind and our heart and our emotions and all that goes in there. And yet, as we sang today, even though it feels like there's a one long, massive test our belief in God, we still Even if all that we go through, we can declare his goodness in our lives. It's really where our our true faith is forged. It's in the even is. Recently, I came across a verse in the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk. It's even hard to say. Some of you are like, that's in the Bible? Yes, I'll tell you where it's at. It's it's in your Bible where the pages still stick together because you probably have never opened it up, okay? Let's just be honest. It's not the common book you turn to. But this is the one verse that just jumped out to me recently. This is, the, this is the prophet Habakkuk speaking to the people, encouraging them, and they're going through an incredible amount of injustice. A foreign nation had come in and, and oppressing them. And this is the resolve that Habakkuk had in the even if what was going on and what was happening in the lives of the people. He said this, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there's no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crops fails, the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in their fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Did you catch that one little powerful word and all of that? Yet, yet. It goes like this, even though you could say, even if there's not results in my hard work and not a raise or promotion, even if my kids don't obey and they choose unwisely, even if I get sick and even if I get hurt, even if there's no cure, even if there's no quick fix, and even though there's a relationship that's gone awry and it's not been reconciled, even in the pain, And it doesn't go away yet, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, the God of my salvation. What we're saying is, Lord, I choose to serve you, to love you, to follow you, not give up on you in the midst of all that we're going through. And you and I at times live in the even ifs of life and our faith is tested. So this morning we're going to hear from one, I already gave it away, but we're going to hear from the one who can relate with you if, only if, if you've gone through pain before, or maybe you're in the middle of pain, or one day you will go through pain, which I think is everybody here in this room that we know, you're going to relate with Shane Sherrington and his story as he comes. Somebody's FaceTiming right now, but okay. That's your, okay, come on up. Let's welcome Shane as he comes today. Good morning. Yeah, again, my name's Shane. I, uh, if we haven't met, I actually get the privilege of uh, being the worship director here at North Bay Christ the King. Um, and man, I am so, uh, when Dan asked me, hey, do you want to share and uh, speak for, and close out the series, if? I was like, absolutely not. Uh, just kidding. No, I was like, no, I'm actually, I'm genuinely excited this morning just to share 
a little bit of the story in which God is writing um, and is continuing to write in and through my life. Um, it's funny, I told somebody, I was like, hey, uh, earlier this week, I was like, hey, you should come to church, I'm speaking this week. And their response was, oh, cool, don't you always do that? <laughs> and the answer is yes, that's what happens when you give a millennial a microphone with too much coffee every single Sunday. So those of you who call North Bay home, God bless you. I promise that this will be mostly not too painful. Just rip it off like a Band-Aid if it is. Um, but for real, I am so blessed to be part of a ch- congregation and a church body that actually empowers young people um, like myself, even with ones of two types of genes and ridiculous holes in their ears to actually do the work and to um, be part of God's mission. And so thank you for um, letting me uh, share with you this morning. I'm excited just to share a little bit of my story. Um, You know, it's funny, I actually often confuse myself as much as I confuse others. Um, If you're friends with me, maybe you'll know what I mean by that. But uh, even just this morning as I was getting dressed, I was putting on my jeans here, which are obviously a little too tight on purpose. And I was like putting on my shirt, which is a little too long on purpose. Look it up. It's called fashion. Um, and I was like getting dressed. And But for some reason lately, as the weather has dropped below 60 degrees, I've decided that wearing flip-flops is a good idea. I really don't know why. I just am more comfortable wearing flip-flops. And maybe it's just because I'm strange and I'm confusing myself. But maybe buried somewhere within a psychotherapy dream. There's a connection between my shoe choice this morning and the fact that about a year ago today, I was living in Kona, Hawaii. Um, It's actually wild because exactly a year ago today, I was living in Kona, Hawaii, um, and I was participating in a program called YWAM. Um, Again, for those of you who don't know what YWAM is, it stands for Youth with a Mission, um, in which Jeremy here leading us this morning is actually part of in Linden. There's YWAMs all over um, the world. Um, And yeah, it's Youth with a Mission or um, Young Women After Men. Wouldn't be so bad if it wasn't so true. Um, but for real, uh, so it was awesome. I was participating in uh, what YWAM offers called a DTS, a Discipleship Training School, which is a six-month-long program. Uh, the first three months are spent um, in this lecture phase where you're actually equipped and giving tools and resources um, to what it looks like to actually be a missionary, what it looks like to go preach the gospel um, overseas. Um, so that first three months, you're just submerged into community. And uh, man, my YWAM experience was amazing. I was so blessed just by an amazing community, such amazing teaching. Um, and really just all the reasons in which I decided to go and the reason in my heart cry to go to YWAM um, were met um, and, and beyond. Honestly, like my heart cry just to know God more was met. Um, I had so many sweet moments just alone with the Lord in YWAM where he just, you know, really stirred my heart for uh, his mission and his church and for the nations, my heart for intercession and praying um, for the things of God's heart and then actually seeing them happen um, was expanded. And um, just such amazing community, friends that I will have for the rest of my life and so much compromise in my heart um, to say yes to Jesus fully, just those walls being broken down. And um, so, yeah, the first three months were amazing. I was living it up. You know, missionary life in Hawaii must be rough. Um, but no, seriously, it's so good. And uh, I was part of a group of 12 people uh, who would be going to Uganda, Africa. Um, some of you know this story. Some of you have kind of heard a little bit of my journey here. But I was part of a team, a small team of 12 people who would be going overseas to Uganda, Africa. And um, the weeks are approaching. Uh, three months is not that long when you're living in Hawaii in community. Like, it goes by just like that. And the weeks are quickly approaching to me leaving on outreach. And, man, I'm so excited. Like, 
legit, my heart is just burning. Like, I'm ready. I'm like, God, I'm ready to go preach the gospel. God, I'm ready to go, like, to people who have never even heard of who you are and just proclaim the message of hope because you have changed my life. And I'm just, like, so excited, right? And as the weeks are approaching, um, this one morning I wake up and I'm not feeling so good. For those of you who know my story previously, um, you know that I have had some health issues. Um, about since the age of 16, I've had a lot of kind of autoimmune health question mark issues where doctors couldn't really put a finger point on like, what's going on? We know something is like, you're not feeling well, you have these chronic allergies, you have this chronic fatigue, and kind of ups and downs through my uh, younger years. Um, but doctors could never really put a pinpoint on what it was, and so there's like a lot of naturopath, um, like diet changes that I've made in the past that really helped. Um, but as the weeks are approaching and I'm living in Hawaii, uh, my health, I wake up one day and I just am like, wow, I do not feel good. Um, I remember uh, getting out of bed in the morning, which is never fun. I'm not a morning person. Is anybody here a morning person? You're sick. I Seriously, I hate mornings. But like legit, this is like next level. I just remember it just being so hard to get out of bed. Uh, my body was just aching all across and my head was just so cloudy. Like I just felt so mentally foggy. And um, so I get up and I'm just kind of scared. I'm like, okay, well, I'm about to leave for outreach in about a week and a half. And um, oh no, like this is not unfamiliar to me. I kind of knew in the back of my head exactly what's happening because I've gone through this before. I had a year when I was about 16 of just these ups and downs of really hard health issues. And so I wake up that morning and I go and look in the mirror and my face just doesn't look right. It's kind of swollen. I'm looking like Pillsbury Doughboy or something like, I just didn't like, I wasn't feeling like myself. And so I like go and I sit down with my outreach team. And I'm like, hey guys, like this is the current reality. Um, I don't know if I can go on outreach. Like if this is my current uh, physical condition, I don't know if I can go overseas to Uganda where there's malaria. And probably if there's not good healthcare here in Hawaii that can take care of me, there's probably not good resources in Uganda. And so like this was the current reality. Um, and so here I am, I'm sick. I'm burning with passion. I'm excited to go overseas, um, but my body is sick. And um, here's my YWAM team. And if anybody, if anybody, you guys know this, if you ever have met a YWAMer, if anybody has faith for healing, it's a YWAMer. And because like they have seen God move in amazing ways. Even in my time in Kona, Hawaii, I saw God do amazing things. Like legit, I saw people, um, even some of my close friends, like get healed of sicknesses that doctors said, hey, there's no way you're going to live with this chronic pain. Um, but I saw God like come in and heal these things. Even during my time in YWAM, I saw a deaf baby's ears open for the first time. So like I witnessed God move in these supernatural, miraculous ways. And I was like, God, I believe that you can do this. And so here I am with the weeks approaching and like, I have faith. God, I'm just like, come on, God, I'm waiting for you to just come and touch my body. I know that's who you are. I know you can do it in a moment. And so my whole YWAM team and the whole school of 300 people are praying on my behalf for breakthrough and for physical healing, just believing for a miracle in my body. But as the weeks approach closer and closer, I'm feeling weaker and weaker and weaker. And here we are exactly a week before teams are going to be leaving on outreach. And we're coming up to this night, a specific night called our sending night. And so we have the whole school all gathered together in this, in the Ohana court, which is like a big basketball court where we all worship together. And we're listening to um, this, this speaker just tell about uh, his story and his experience of going overseas and preaching the gospel to unreached people groups and just seeing God move in amazing and miraculous ways, people giving their life to Jesus. And so here I am sitting 
in the Ohana court, and I'm just like so excited. Like, yes, God, I'm ready to go. I want to go. But then here's the other half of me just terrified. Like, God, what if you don't come through? Like, what if my body is just like going to be sick? Like, am I just going to go to Uganda and just be sick and not be able to like actually like get out of bed? Are you wanting me to just go in this condition? And so here I am just like wrestling, 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 excited, but terrified. And um, the, the, speaker that night, he, he walks off stage and we go into a time of worship and um, we're all gathered together and I remember kind of stepping to the side of my chair and we're just worshiping and we're singing this song, we're singing this anthem, we're singing, we will go, we will go, we are your burning ones. And so here I am and I'm just like, I remember singing that song for like 10 minutes because that's how we do it in YWAM, right Jeremy? <laughs> <laughs> we sing the same song for a long time. Um, but we're, here I am, just like so much fight inside of me, and my, my fists are just clenched, and I'm like, God, I will go. I will go. I'm your burning one. I legit remember screaming, like, I don't care if I die in Uganda. Like, I will go. Like, just send me. I'm your burning one. I'm your missionary. I'm your fiery-eyed revivalist. I will go in my weakest condition. I do not care. God, I will go. I will go. I will go. I'm your burning one. And we're singing this for 10 minutes. And I remember just like five more minutes in, just taking a breath. And finally, my fists just begin to lose their grip. And my tightly clenched fists open to an open position. And I remember singing that same lyric, but with a little bit different of a heart posture and a little bit different of a rhythm, saying, God, I will go. I will go. I am your burning one. Maybe it's not now, but God, I will go. And so my fight inside of me with my fist clenched tight, turns into a place of trust, saying, God, even if my body is sick and I don't get to go, I trust you. And it's in that moment that God just so simply spoke to me. Jer- Jeremiah 29, 11, it's a, it's a passage a lot of us know. For I know the plans I have for you, Shane. Plans to prosper you, plans for a hope and a future not to harm you. And it was in that moment as I'm just standing there, finally just allowing myself to just stop fighting. and um, It was in that moment that I just began to have these series of uh, just visions and just memories of moments in my life that the Lord had just spoken the insane calling that he's placed on my life. I remember specifically kind of being taken back to this moment a few years before at a Hillsong United concert as I'm standing there remembering this. uh, And Grant McAvoy, Dan's son, is praying over me. And I remember at that Hillsong concert just seeing myself in, in my head just leading a generation of young people in worship. I then remember as I'm standing there and tears are just flowing down my face. I see myself marrying this woman and then having kids and loving them the way that Jesus loves the church. And then seeing myself at 70 years old. And here I am in my, in my head standing. I can see myself 70 years old and just more in love with Jesus than I ever was in my entire life. More passionate and more zealous and more filled with just revelation of who our God is than I ever was in my entire life. And it was in that moment that God said, Shane, it's not about Uganda. It's not about tomorrow. It's not about what you do. It's not about this or that or this or that. It's about your whole entire life. Like Shane, will you follow me from now until the end? Will you be more in love with me at 70 years old than you are now? Will you follow me your whole entire life? And so I remember standing in the Ohana court, just bawling my eyes out. I was the last person there. The whole school had gone, and I'm still just weeping and repenting for the ways that I had distrusted in God and his sovereignty. And I go up into my room, and my top bank, 
bunk next to the fan. Um, it's awful. <laughs> in my uh, in my dorm room, and I, I go to sleep that night, and I'm just like, oh, taking a deep breath, and I'm like, okay, I need to get some rest because tomorrow's the day I'm going to kind of decide if I'm actually going. Maybe I'm going to wake up healed. I don't know. Maybe I'm going to wake up and be like, okay, I'm going home. And um, it's I go to bed. I fall asleep for a little bit. Around 2 a.m., I wake up. And I just begin to feel God's presence in a more increased way than I had ever felt in my entire life. If you want to hear more about that, please ask me. It's really a story in and of itself. Um, but I remember just laying there. And obviously, there's questions running through my head of, God, am I going to Uganda? But honestly, in total honesty, all I could say, I just rolled over onto my stomach in my bed. And I just said, God, you're holy. Because his presence was just so strong. And I was just in awe of who he was. And I was like, God, I just want to follow you. I trust you, God, you're holy. And I was awake the entire night. It wasn't about until 7 in the morning that I finally uttered the words, God, am I going to Uganda? God, am I going home? And it was in that moment I just felt this strong peace come over my heart. And God said, Shane, trust me. I'm carrying you home. I woke up that morning. I met with my outreach leaders and told them. And they just championed the way that the Lord was speaking to me and trusting that that was the way that he was leading me, trusting that that was what was best. And so obviously the most hard decision I ever had to make, but it was so clear that that God was really stirring in me. And I just had to trust him saying, okay, God, like I don't get to write the story. Um, And so it was later that, that day that one of my friends bought a plane ticket for me to come home back here to Bellingham. And so I flew from Kona, Hawaii to Seattle from Seattle to Bellingham, and I came home. And obviously, first of all, I seriously need some medical help because my body condition at this point is actually very severe. Just to paint a little bit of an image, my my face was legit like twice the size that it should be. I had this very, very severe rash covering my whole body. I was extremely exhausted to the point of even just hard to put words together. Um, and I just was stuck in a cloud. And I was very, very anxious and physically anxious feeling and I just didn't feel like myself at all and so first of all I need to come home and I need to see a doctor ASAP right away and so here I am I think I slept for about like a day and a half because my body was just exhausted Um, I got up and I saw a doctor and they said okay well we're gonna get some blood work done and we're gonna like get some referrals out and we'll get the insurance requests out and we're gonna like set up a bunch of appointments and so I here I am in December and I finally at the end of December see one of the specialists and here's the conversation yeah, you got some uh, health issues here. Uh, we uh, see that your blood work's a little off and wonky, but uh, what we thought it was is not what it is, so we're going to send out another request for insurance, and you're going to wait for a specialist here, so we're going to wait for insurance, and then you're going to go see this specialist. And so December turns to January, and January turns to February, and February turns to March. It's just this hurry-up-and-wait process as I see this specialist who says, well, it's not this. Let me send out this. See this specialist and so forth and so forth. And so this deep trust that I have in my heart um, for what God, um, the fact that, yes, he is writing my story and, yes, he is carrying me and I, I do trust him. But that, that trust in my heart begins to be overarched with this, this question of God, why? Like, God, if you're supposed to be so good, and if there is a hope for my future to prosper me, not to harm me, then why do I feel this? Like, why does this hurt so much? And so I begin to isolate myself. It was hard for me to even be in community. If you know me, I'm a people person. But like, I just didn't want to be around people because the reality was every time I was, I actually left more discouraged because I was like, I just don't feel like myself. And so here I am, and this overarching question of God, why? 
God, why is this happening? God, why am I so sick and why is there no answers? And I had these few moments of like my health getting a little bit better. And then I'm like, okay, maybe this, maybe this is the right diet. Maybe those are the right options. Um, and maybe I'm just like getting better and then waking up one morning and it being even harder to get out of bed. I remember specifically this one morning, I just literally could not bring myself to get out of bed. My body was so achy and tense. And we so quickly forget, we so quickly begin to distrust in the face of our pain, the work that God is doing, the fact that he actually is who he says he is. And the trust that I had in my heart began to grow weaker and weaker. And we understand that there's pain in this life, right? But when we're standing in the middle of it, it doesn't always make sense. He allows us to go through pain to refine us so that we are more of who he has called us to be. In the midst of our pain, we isolate ourselves. That's what I did. And so a few months into this waiting, trying everything, I just began to, at the lowest point now, just depressed and anxious and just frustrated. Like, I am tired of being tired. And I am sick of being sick. Like, I just want to be better. So I intentionally just said, okay, I'm putting it on the calendar. I'm just going to start to meet with people. I really don't want to. I really hate this. I really am like anxious even just to sit and meet with this person in a coffee shop, which is so the opposite of me. But I'm just going to force myself. And so I began to just force myself to put people on the calendar. And uh, I remember meeting with Dan in a Starbucks Safeway as he just was my pastor and just began to ask me how I am and, and care for me. And I began to just process my pain out loud and talk about my YWAM experience, which felt so distant. Because I was like, man, God is so good. He did all these amazing things. But then talking about my pain, he'd be like, is God really good? Right? And then meeting with him again in a Woods Coffee and him just caring for me and loving me. And just meeting me where I was. And then I put uh, Johnny Busani on my calendar um, for those of you who don't know Johnny, uh, he's actually the worship director now at Blaine uh, campus. And I met with him and his, uh, at the time, his fiance, Lyric, um, Barry, now Busani. Um, and I met with them at the Starbucks there. And I just began to uh, share with them, the two of them, just my YWAM experience. And again, just so encouraged by God's goodness. I'm like, man, God actually is good as I got to just speak it out loud. And then just began to be so real with them. But I was like, and I, I know something happened in YOM, but at the same time right now, I just don't know. Like, this hurts. And it, I don't know if I want to follow God if this is what it looks like. This just hurts. Like, this is not where I want to be. And I remember just sitting across the table from Lyric. And if any of you know Lyric, she has these eyes that are just filled with Jesus and compassion. And I'm holding Johnny's hand. And she says to me, Shane, I don't know exactly what this passage is, but I just feel like the Lord's speaking it to me. She says, the winter is a season and the spring will come. She's like, you read all throughout the Bible, like there's, there's, there's seasons of drought and then the spring comes. There's seasons of pain and then the joy comes in the morning. She's like, Shane, this is just a season. And I remember just for the first time in six months, no joke, I was so emotionally numb. I was so sick of being sick. I could never bring myself to tears. Like I was, I was frustrated and I wanted to, but for the first time in six months, tears just began to stream down my face. And I said, Lyric, you're right. It was later that night I went home and I laid in my bed and Lyric sends me an Instagram message. She says, hey, here's that verse. Uh, this is what the Lord was speaking to me as we met together. 
at a Song of Solomon 2, 11 through 13. See, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The cooing of the doves is heard in the land. And again, just tears streaming down my face. And here I am laying in bed saying that God's saying it's a new season. And I'm just like, God, is this really you? Because like there's been a lot of meetings and a lot of moments where I'm like, okay, it's a new season. And a lot of doctors meeting I've been waiting for to tell me, hey, here's the answer. But so terrified to actually believe it. Here I am laying in bed saying, God, it's a new season. And I remember even getting up out of my bed and saying, Mom, I really feel like God is speaking to me saying that there is a new season coming. And this is terrifying for me to actually believe because what if it's not? Right? Get this. Two days later. Two days later, I get a call from my insurance that I had been waiting for since the beginning of that year. And the, the insurance company says, hey, we, uh, we finally found an endocrinologist who can see you because the one in Bellingham was booked out, but there's one in Seattle you can go down and see. And so I finally go down to Seattle a week after that. So two days later, get the insurance call. A week after that, go down to the endocrinologist in Seattle, and I meet with this endocrinologist. They look through my health history, and they say, hey, guess what? You have adrenal insufficiency. Okay, what can we do about that? She says, well, there's some treatment options. Um, so you're going to try this. She says, like, it should be about two weeks, and you should start feeling like yourself. And so I get on treatment for adrenal insufficiency. And get this. She's like, it should be like two weeks before you start to feel better. Again, two days later, I just begin to feel just a rise in my energy. I just begin to feel a little bit more like myself. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, that's it? It's just like, it's here, a new season. Like, it's, it's actually happening. There's actually a turn of this corner. And so I'm just, like, so stoked. I'm like, I actually feel like myself. Like, I actually have energy. I actually have mental clarity. I actually, my face is starting to look normal and less like the Pillsbury Doughboy. And so, like, I'm just excited, right? And people are, like, talking to me, and I'm, like, getting to reconnect with people. And they're like, Shane, are you so stoked? I'm like, yes, I'm so stoked to be, like, back feeling like myself. But in all reality, at the same time, I feel beat up. Like, a whole half a year, like, the whole half a year is gone. And I don't understand why I had to go through all this. Like, literally just for one doctor's meeting, and that is the answer. It's that simple. And now I'm just going to go back to life. In all reality, I felt beat up. Like, there was deep discouragement and emotional pain inside of me from that season. And, you know, we, we say these things and we believe these things. are like, yeah, God makes the pain work for our good. I'm like, this doesn't feel like good. I feel weaker. Like, like oh, yeah, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I'm like, no, girl, I feel weak. Like, I feel like I got nothing to offer. Like, I feel like myself, but I'm kind of beat up, right? And so um, here I am, and that was the current reality of my place, right? I'm, it's a new season. I feel, I feel physically well, um, but I feel beat up. It was like a week later, and then each day I'm like beginning to feel better and better and better. Um, I was like, what the heck? Like, I remember waking up one morning like, yeah, I just feel really good this morning. I like went on a jog that morning. And so uh, a week passes by. I'm like beginning to reconnect with people. And then this one night specifically, I drove down to Squalicum Babe in uh, Bellingham. And here I am sitting in my car in my Prius uh, looking out at the canvas painted sky. And I just am sitting in my car and I'm, I'm just like, God, thank you so much. Like I'm just so thankful for, for health right now. And I'm just like thanking the Lord that, that this is a new season. But then I begin to just like process out loud, but God, why? 
and I begin to realize in my heart, God, I'm kind of mad at you. Like this, like a whole half a year of suffering, like what the heck? Like this just doesn't really make logical sense in my head. Like I don't understand. Like I wanted to go to Uganda, but this is what I had to go through. Like I just, I don't get it. And I'm sitting in my car. Um, and so I finally just, you know, kind of processing with the Lord and just kind of being mad even and frustrated. I open up my Bible and I open straight up no joke, the Song of Solomons. Again, and I just read, the winter is past, the rains are over and gone, flowers appear on the earth, the season of singing has come. And so I'm just sitting in my car and crying again. I don't cry that often. You're hearing my crying times, but they're rare. I'm emotional, but I just don't cry. Um, And so I'm like sitting in my car and I'm like, okay, God, it is a new season. And I'm terrified to say that because what if tomorrow I wake up feeling sick again? Or what if this treatment option only works for a little bit? But God's like, no, Shane, it's a new season. And I remember in that moment as I just began to say it out loud over and over and over that God said to me, seriously, just speaking to my heart, he said, Shane, I'm not just inviting you to to have a healed body. I was like, I'm not just healing your body. I'm not just asking that you, saying this so that you would have a whole body, but I'm actually inviting you into wholeness. I want you to be physically whole, emotionally whole, relationally whole, financially whole. Like I want you to be holistically you. I want you to be healthy and to experience abundant life. And so here I am, and he's like, will you pursue that? Because right now you feel broken, but guess what? I'm your healer. And so I'm not just inviting you into physical wholeness, but I am inviting you to be holistically whole in me. And so God, I said, yes, I I want that. Whatever that looks like, whatever, however much that takes, whatever that process looks like, I want to do that. And so I remember sitting in my car and just screaming, it's a new season. But that wasn't enough for me because it was still kind of this fear in the back of my heart. And so I got out of my car as the sun is setting and I walk out into Squalicum Bay as the sun is setting. And as a, I look like a wacko out there, but if you know me, it's really not that weird. I, uh, I, like, I lay down into the water and I dunk myself underwater and I just get up and yell across the bay. Somebody's back on the bay just like with their date. And they're like, what? And I like, <laughs> I like go back to my car and I just like, it is a new season. And I shave my head and get a hand tattoo because that's what millennials do. Don't worry about it. But I'm like, it is a new season. And so here I am and I'm like so excited. And I'm just like, okay, God, whatever it looks like, I just want to be whole. And so my process from here is not only that I'm physically feeling like myself, but I'm like, God, you're inviting me into wholeness. What does that look like? And so here here I am stepping into this new season and I had to go and have a lot of hard conversations with friends because during six months of being sick and you not feeling like yourself, there's a lot of relationships that are put on the back burner. And I was bitter and angry and not myself, right? And so I had to have these hard conversations of saying, hey, I'm sorry I haven't been myself. Hey, I'm sorry I've been rude and pushed you away. I'm sorry that um, I haven't let you reach out to me when you were trying to. And so I'm going through this process and just every day, just like, God, what does it look like for me to be whole? And even to this day, that is the anthem of my heart. Man, I am still broken. And I'm still beat up in, in places in my heart, but I'm experiencing the joy of the process of stepping into wholeness. In the face of hardship and tragedy, both of the following responses make complete sense. It is quite human to respond in doubt and anger, confusion and discouragement. However, secondly, what if, maybe, just maybe, There is a God 
who is madly in love with you, who is inviting you to trust him and longing to give you peace in the face of the hardest and the darkest hours and to speak truth over who you really are. And as I stand on the other side of that season, losing the first half of this year to my sickness, man, yes, I have found purpose in the pain. I have found that, yes, there is a deeper trust and faith in who God is through those, that, that pain process. But I don't, I don't understand it. To be totally honest, I don't have all the answers. But can I tell you this as black and white written truth and something that I know confidently, that God is not a God who wastes pain. And so if you're here this morning and you're in pain, and if you're not, you will be, I want to remind you that God is in the middle of it. All that I can say in confidence and honesty and fear to speak with nothing less is that I don't write the story. Yes, chapter 27 is filled with adventure. It's captivating. But chapter 27 and a half can take a sharp turn to the unexpected. I don't write the story And I do not understand the reason why everything happens, but I trust the one who writes the story. Can we look at Romans 8.28 here? And for we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. God works all things. Every season of pain, every moment of discouragement, every joyful celebration. God works all things together for the good of those he loves so that we might look more like the person that he has called us to be. We're going to take some time around the communion table. If our team could get ready as we prepare here for just a couple minutes as Jeremy comes. So these are, these are holy moments that we have when someone bears their heart and as honest as we can be honest be. But the honesty in this room, the elephant in this room is this, is that some of you are still in pain. Whether it's six months or six years the, the reality is pain is part of life and that to, to believe in God's goodness is the ultimate test. To believe that all things, right? All things work together for good. And you're just like, how, how can that be? And so as, as much as we find pain, purpose in our pain as we get on the other side of it, or the reality is we'll be on the other side of this life one day and then we'll go, oh, we'll get 100% cl- cl- um, clarity of what that might be. But until then, we wait. Until then, we say, Lord, even if, even if I go through what I'm going through, Lord, I'm going to trust in you. See, as we gather around the communion table here in this moment, we need to be reminded of what Jesus did for us and the purpose of, a, of his pain. And so as you're going to, in a moment, receive a cracker, represents Christ's body, you're going to receive a little cup, represents his blood that was shed for us encourage you to hold them, and we're going to participate together here in a couple minutes. But as we sing this together, as we come to Jesus in, in honesty and come to him, and, and let's just face it, for some of you, brokenness right now and your pain, that you could hold them and, and recognize what you're holding is, is, is a perspective of pain, of what Jesus did 
for us so that we truly can be whole in him. So ushers, you can come forward.